Don Juan by Gordon Lord Byron Canto five, part eight. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Peter Gallagher of petergallagher.com.au Bride of the sun and sister of the moon, Twas thus he spake, and empress of the earth, Whose frown would put the spheres all out of tune, Whose smile makes all the planets dance with mirth, Your slave brings tidings he hopes not too soon, Which your sublime attention may be worth. The sun himself has sent me like a ray To hint that he is coming up this way. Is it? exclaimed Gulbias, as you say. I wish to heaven he would not shine till morning. But bid my women form the milky way. Hence, my old comet, give the stars due warning. And, Christian, mingle with them as you may, And as you'd have me pardon your past scorning. Here they were interrupted by a humming sound, And then by a cry, The Sultan's coming! First came her damsels, a decorous file, And then his highness's eunuchs, black and white, the train might reach a quarter of a mile. His majesty was always so polite as to announce his visits a long while before he came, especially at night, for being the last wife of the emperor, she was, of course, the favourite of the four. His highness was a man of solemn port, shawled to the nose and bearded to the eyes, snatched from a prison to preside at court, his lately bow-strung brother caused his rise. He was as good a sovereign of the sort as any mentioned in the histories of Cantemir or Knollys, where few shine save Soliman, the glory of their line. He went to mosque in state and said his prayers with more than oriental scrupulosity. He left to his vizier all state affairs and showed but little royal curiosity. I know not if he had domestic cares, no process proved connubial animosity. Four wives and twice five hundred maids, unseen, were ruled as calmly as a Christian queen. If now and then there happened a slight slip, little was heard of criminal or crime, the story scarcely passed a single lip, the sack and sea had settled all in time, from which the secret nobody could rip. The public knew no more than does this rhyme. No scandals made the daily press a curse. Morals were better, and the fish no worse. He saw with his own eyes the moon was round, was also certain that the earth was square, because he had journeyed fifty miles and found no sign that it was circular anywhere. His empire also was without a bound. Tis true, a little troubled here and there by rebel pashas and encroaching giars, but then they never came to the seven towers except in shape of envoys, who were sent to lodge there when a war broke out according to the true law of nations, which ne'er meant those scoundrels who have never had a sword in their dirty diplomatic hands to vent their spleen in making strife and safely wording their lies eclipse dispatches without risk or the singeing of a single whisker. He had fifty daughters and four dozen sons, of whom all such as came of age were stowed. 
the former in a palace, where like nuns they lived till some bashaw was sent abroad, when she whose turn it was was wed at once, sometimes at six years old. Though this seems odd, tis true. The reason is that the bashaw must make a present to his sire-in-law. His sons were kept in prison till they grew of years to fill a bowstring or the throne, one or the other, but which of the two could yet be known unto the fates alone? Meantime, the education they went through was princely, as the proofs have always shown, so that the heir apparent still was found no less deserving to be hanged than crowned. His Majesty saluted his fourth spouse with all the ceremonies of his rank, who cleared her sparkling eyes and smoothed her brows as suits a matron who has played a prank. These must seem doubly mindful of their vows to save the credit of their breaking bank. To no men are such cordial greetings given as those whose wives have made them fit for heaven. His Highness cast around his great black eyes, and, looking as he always looked, perceived June amongst the damsels in disguise, at which he seemed no whit surprised nor grieved, but just remarked with air sedate and wise, while still a fluttering sigh Gulbires heaved, I see you've bought another girl. Tis pity that a mere Christian should be half so pretty. This compliment, which drew all eyes upon the new-bought virgin, made her blush and shake. Her comrades also thought themselves undone. O oh, Mahomet, that his majesty should take such notice of a gear! while scarce to one of them his lips imperial ever spake. There was a general whisper, toss, and wriggle, but etiquette forbade them all to giggle. The Turks do well to shut at least sometimes the women up, because in sad reality their chastity in these unhappy climes is not a thing of that astringent quality which in the north prevents precocious crimes and makes our snow less pure than our morality. The sun which yearly melts the polar ice has quite the contrary effect on vice. Thus in the east they are extremely strict, and wedlock and padlock mean the same, excepting only when the former's picked it ne'er can be replaced in proper frame, spoiled as a pipe of clarity is when pricked. But then their own polygamy's to blame. Why don't they need two virtuous souls for life into that moral centaur, man and wife? Thus far our chronicle. And now we pause, though not for want of matter. But tis time, according to the ancient epic laws, to slacken sail and anchor with our rhyme. Let this fifth canto meet with due applause, the sixth shall have a touch of the sublime. Meanwhile, as Homer sometimes sleeps, perhaps you'll pardon to my muse a few short naps. End of Don Juan, Canto 5, by Gordon, Lord Byron.